I love the series that we're in on the Holy Spirit and next week I'm going to be speaking about the fullness of the Spirit and maybe you've got a whole lot of questions, maybe you even had a bad experience. Come along because I believe you'll be instructed, you don't have to agree with everything. Uh, I love the, the, the spirit of what the Scripture says that there were a group of Christians in the book of Acts who received what Paul was saying with all readiness of mind and then searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. And that's really the heart and soul of what we want as a church, people who receive the Word, but also go back and check it and search the Scriptures for themselves and invite God by His Spirit to lead them into truth. But this morning we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit as our power source. And it's directly connected to our theme of knowing, growing and sowing. And this is a little bit of bridging the whole thing of, of knowing more about the Holy Spirit and the work that He does in our lives. But also growing in that so that we can be sent out, anointed and sent out, whether it's in the workplace, in school, on a missions trip or something else. So we want to welcome our online campus and just want to celebrate actually last Sunday that were two commitments made to Christ on the online campus, both of whom followed up and are now being uh, helped in their discipleship journey. So we welcome our online campus and obviously everyone in the building. Yeah, let's praise the Lord for that. So the Holy Spirit is our power source. There are some 88 references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, sometimes directly termed the Spirit or the Spirit of God. Sometimes it's as the hand of God, which is another description of the Holy Spirit, God's activity in the Old Testament. There are some 261 references to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and we're going to cover all of them today. No, I had to cut so much out, you'll be all right. And the Spirit's work and power are identified and celebrated throughout the Old and the New Testament. We believe, and these are just some important anchoring statements, we believe the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son, a part of the Godhead, the Trinity it's referred to. Scripture describes the Holy Spirit as a person, not an impersonal force. He's a person. He can be spoken to and invited. He can be grieved. He can be resisted. He will speak to you and lead and guide you. We'll touch on some of those things. But he's a person, not an impersonal force. He possesses emotion and intellect and will. And the Holy Spirit possesses all the attributes of deity, such as omniscience, which simply means all-knowing. God is all-knowing. The Holy Spirit, part of the God is, is all-knowing. Omnipresent, He is everywhere present and nowhere absent. And omnipotent, He's all-powerful. And He is without beginning or end. He's eternal. And I love what D.L. Moody said, that the Holy Spirit is God at work. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit as our power source, not impersonally, but as a person coming into our lives uh, and doing things in and through us and for us, it's God at work. The Holy Spirit is God at work. The personal name of the Holy Spirit is unknown. 
The Holy Spirit is a designation, a title, if you like. It's what he is. It's not his name. And the scripture reveals that he actually withholds his own name so that he will always glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will speak not of himself, but he will always speak of Jesus. That doesn't mean we shouldn't speak about him. Because if we're going to look at the full counsel of God and what the scripture says about God, we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. But he'll always defer and point us and draw us closer to Jesus. So let's talk about Holy Spirit empowerment. I'm not going to look at anything out of the Old Testament, not because it's not important, but because we just wouldn't have the time. I'm focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as it's revealed in the New Testament. And even with that, I had to cut down the list. You'll be relieved to know. But I love this prayer from the Apostle Paul, which kind of anchors this message. In Ephesians 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Isn't that a wonderful prayer? A powerful prayer. And he says, the glorious riches of God the Father, He wants to be imparted into your life to strengthen you through His Spirit in your inner being. So this is now talking about a dynamic working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to bring about the reality that you can dwell in Christ and do it by faith. So the Holy Spirit, again, is seeking to anchor the work of Jesus in and through your life. And it's an incredible prayer. I pray, and I'm praying this over myself this morning, over each and every one of you, on those watching online, I pray that God, out of His glorious riches, may strengthen you with power, through His Spirit in your inner being, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus said, number one, that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And you'll find in some translations, it's translated helper, comforter. It's the word paraclete. And let's just read the passage. But the word helper, comforter, actually can be translated in a whole lot of other ways. It's a rich word and it's a rich thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Jesus said in John 16, 17, I'm telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable to your advantage that I go away. I mean, that's just an astonishing statement there. People who've walked with Jesus for three years, seen miracles and heard his teaching. And he said, you're going to be better off without me because I'm sending somebody who will do all that I do, but will do it for all those who are hungry and open to him, not just those who are immediately physically around him. I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, This is Jesus speaking, the comforter. And the Amplified Bible gives you an insight into all the ways that word can be translated. The comforter, counsellor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But Jesus says, if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. 
And again, we need to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to be in close fellowship with me. I want you to be my comforter. I want you to be my counsellor when I need it. I want you to be my helper. I want you to be my advocate when I need it. I want you to be the one who intercedes through me and for me. I want you to strengthen me. And I want you on standby for every single situation I face in my life. If you feel powerless or that right now you're kind of failing in life or with an area of your life, can I encourage you this week to invite the Holy Spirit into that situation to be with you as a comforter, as a counsellor, as a helper, as an advocate, as an intercessor, as a strengthener? as a person on standby to step in and come alongside you and help you work through it. You can start every single day by simply saying, Holy Spirit, I want to be in fellowship with you as I go out into this world and let's glorify Jesus together. A simple prayer of invitation, of welcome. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. The second thing is the Holy Spirit transforms us. God doesn't want us to remain as we are. He loves us as we are, but he wants to transform us and make us more like Jesus. God's goal for us is to be like Christ. And the Holy Spirit has a significant role to play in that, in just helping transform us from the inside out to become more like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, and Paul's comparing what happened to Moses in the Old Testament, but says what's in the New Testament, the new covenant is far more glorious, far more empowering. And then he says this, and we all who with unveiled face contemplate the Lord's glory are transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. And notice this, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So it's acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus, but it's saying when you put the Holy Spirit in charge of your life and you seek to behold the Lord, whether it's through the Scripture, through worship, through prayer, through meditation, and we're talking about biblical meditation, through reflection, he says the Holy Spirit comes into that circumstance as you seek to behold the Lord and He transforms you. That word is used twice in the New Testament, in Romans 12, where by the renewing of our mind, we are transformed. And the word is metamorpho, which is where we get our English word metamorphosis. And it means to change you in stages, that continually God is at work in you to change you through your circumstance, through you seeking God in situations, so you become more like Jesus day after day after day. And honestly, if we're honest, we have some good days and some bad days. But the Holy Spirit never gives up on that process of transforming us and making us more like Jesus. Paul in Galatians chapter 5, and again, there's a whole discussion of being filled and led by the Spirit. But he says this, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. 
patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of goodness, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. What an incredible thing that God wants to work in us. That he wants us to experience his divine love that overflows in joy, that has a peace that subdues all your heart in all situations. You begin to dwell in the peace of God, the peace that Jesus gave. That you're patient. We don't ask for a show of hand if you who needs patience. Don't we all? Yeah, we, we knew it would be you. <laughs> the only one. Thanks for your honesty, Phil. <laughs> or was it the elbow that got you to put your hand? <laughs> no, we all do. You know, kindness in action, a life full of God's goodness, faith that prevails and perseveres and breaks through, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. But it's not meant to be you and I trying to work it up. Yeah, Paul wants us to be aware of those things. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Another translation says. But notice, it's the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. And so instead of beating yourself up the next time you're impatient and saying, oh God, I need more patience, say, Holy Spirit, come and work patience into my circumstances. It's his fruit. It's not yours. And I think sometimes we strive too much in these things. We should aspire to them. They are things, qualities that make us more like Jesus. But it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Phil, thankfully. And Evelyn said, Amen. Like he asks for it, really. You know, he sits in the front row and provokes me. You can't see what... <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of fun. But, but it, it, all of us need that working, that, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. And so the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit transforms us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And you go, well, well, what's that? Well, it's a great Bible word, sanctification. And I'm just going to give a really simple explanation as to what it is. Sanctification is the essential process by which we leave the old behind, the old life, the old nature, the old habits, and become a new person in Christ and are transformed. And the Bible teaches that our sanctification is instantaneous and complete and a process that's outworked. Now, I want you to hear that. It's instantaneous and complete. Jesus is our sanctification. He's made unto us. He is our sanctification. But he wants us to outwork it, not work for it. I want to stress that. We don't work for our sanctification. We outwork what God through Christ has done in us the minute we say yes to Jesus. You are a saint. So the next time you're under pressure and somebody's criticizing you, just say, it's thankful, if you don't mind, Evelyn. <laughs> but I'm learning to live like a saint. <laughs> it's 
instantaneous, complete. In Christ, you're fully sanctified, but he wants you to outwork it. And there's the process. And notice how involved the Holy Spirit is in this. 1 Corinthians 6.11. And he's talking about in the context when he says, that's what some of you were, a whole list of sinful behaviours. He says, that's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were, notice the tense, sanctified, set apart by God as sacred. You were justified, which means given a perfect standing before God. You're not working for acceptance. You're already accepted. You're justified, placed into a right relationship with God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so he identifies that all of this sanctification, justification, putting to right standing with God is done by the power of the work that Jesus did in his death and resurrection, but it is imparted and outworked in our lives by the Holy Spirit. How much more should we, when we look at these things, say, Holy Spirit, I want to be in close fellowship with you. I want you to walk with me daily. Help me when I forget and then remember to invite you back into my circumstance. Not getting guilty because you forgot or overlooked something. See, the Holy Spirit helps us die to our old self, to our past and its influences and to be all that God has created us to be in Christ Jesus, to be free from the entanglement of sin and learn how to live victoriously. The Holy Spirit takes all the victory that was accomplished in the cross and seeks to apply it in our lives on a daily basis. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. And here's the thing, when we're struggling with something, whether it's an attitude, a behaviour, something out of the past that seems to be reaching into our present to control our future, we can strive in our own strength to try and resist that. And we are told to resist the devil and resist temptation, but it's by submitting to God. It's not meant to be done in our own strength because in our own strength, we cannot overcome the power of sin in our lives. Really, in a way, in part, the whole of the Old Testament speaks to that reality. With all the laws, the rules and everything else, they could never aspire to God's standard of righteousness. So if it took thousands of years for God to prove that, why do we think we're going to do it in our own strength, in our own ability? But he has the good news. You don't have to do it in your own strength. The solution is not to put your will against the flesh or temptation or sin, but to surrender to the Holy Spirit by inviting him into the situation. And right there, that's where the devil loves to jump in. And he says, oh, you need to fix yourself up a little bit before the Holy Spirit will help you. No, no, don't believe that lie. When you're in the middle of the struggle and the devil's telling you, oh, you're not good enough for God. No, you declare, I am accepted in the beloved. I am forgiven because of the power of Jesus. And right now, Holy Spirit, I need your help. 
And even if you trip and fall again in the same thing, keep inviting the Holy Spirit back into your circumstance, back into that situation. And don't believe the lie that the devil says you've got to sort yourself out. Yeah, he'll convict you of sin. He'll point you to Jesus and forgiveness. And he wants you to invite the Holy Spirit to come in so you, he can work on the inside of you to give you victory. So the Holy Spirit is a helper. He transforms us and helps us to become more like Jesus by bringing his fruit to bear in our lives. He sanctifies us, sets us apart and, and outworks who we are in Christ, fully set apart as sacred by God. I love this next one. The Holy Spirit imparts God's love to us. We're talking about our power source, this person of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus says you want to be in intimate fellowship with him every single day. The Holy Spirit imparts God's love. In the context of Romans chapter 5, Paul is talking about trials and pressure and circumstances and how God works through those trials and testing to produce patience and character in your life. And then he says, and to bring incredible hope that will never put you to shame. And then he says this, such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. He's talking about God's hope. Not our human hope, but God's hope and us connecting to God's hope. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us because for God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I just want you to catch that. I know without having to have a word of knowledge or anything, there are people here who struggle with the fact that does God really love me? I know he loves the whole world, but what about me? And at times you probably feel, whether it's because of bad self-image, something you've done, something you failed in, something you struggled with, something out of your past, that you are unlovable. And again, that's just a lie from the enemy. And at that point, I'd encourage you when you have those feelings, those emotions beginning to control and those thoughts beginning to swirl in your mind, just say, Holy Spirit, I need the Father's love poured out into my life right now. The word poured literally is to gush. It's like a picture of the Niagara Falls. It's not a trickle. And I believe for many today, one of the most powerful things you can do, and maybe there's something else in this message that will touch you, but is to literally say, God, I need that a sense of that, that your love that the Holy Spirit brings because he's poured out and he pours out the love of God into my heart. As we endure trials, we should not overlook the fact that even in the midst of the trial, there's God's love available to you to comfort you, to strengthen you. And God's love is like a creative thing that even in the midst of pain, he's doing something transformative. In the midst of struggle, he's doing something creative because he loves you. He's not punishing you. And I really believe somebody needs to hear that today. He's not punishing you because of the struggle you're going through. But in that, he's loving on you and transforming you. And his love is a creative thing that will bring you through it. 
because God's love is palpable as we invite the Holy Spirit to bring that into our lives, we don't lose our confidence or our hope. And if you're doubting God's love for you, as I said earlier, why don't you just pause? Even right now, we're going to give an opportunity in the ministry time and as we enter into worship to just say, God, today, awaken your love for me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, touch my heart. Do something special in pouring out the love of God into my life. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. He transforms us, makes us more like Jesus. He outworks holiness and sanctification in our life and brings his fruit to bear. He imparts God's love. And Ricky referred to this verse early on. The Holy Spirit is the source of God hope. Not human hope, but God hope. And again, an incredible prayer by the Apostle Paul, praying for the church at Rome and for us. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope because you stirred it up, built it up, did it, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, effort, I'm going to hope, I'm going to hope. No, no, no. That you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit who not only pours out God's love into your life, but also is the source of overflowing hope. And all is asked of us is we put our trust in him. And I know sometimes that can be difficult when you're being bombarded by circumstances and all sorts of things or chaotic things and things that maybe you created or circumstances that other people created. But it's simply that declaration, God, I, like a child, I'm just putting my trust in you. I'm putting my trust in you. That you may overflow with hope. Because hope is fuel for the soul. Hope gives us the courage to keep going, to believe for the breakthrough. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit that He wants to do in our hearts and lives to cause us to overflow with hope. We're not putting hope in the weak things of the world or in the promises of man. And it's good to have people around you to encourage you, to support you, to pray for you. But the source of it is God's hope. And the Holy Spirit is an agent who brings God's hope to our circumstance. The Holy Spirit, number six, leads us. Jesus promised in John 16, 13, that when He, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit helps us discern truth. Yeah, it's in the encountering truth through the Word of God and saying, Holy Spirit, help me apply this to my life. Speak to me out of your Word. But it's also to discern truth. And if we ever needed discernment of truth, we need it in this generation. With the abundance of voices in the marketplace, especially social media, the Holy Spirit will help you discern truth. And it may be a process, but Holy Spirit, I'm struggling with this thought 
about what's been said in our culture or what I see in your word, but it seems so contradictory. Would you speak to me and then start searching the scriptures, but with believing that the Holy Spirit would lead you and guide you into truth. But he also guides us in everyday life. And Paul again in Galatians 5 speaks quite a bit about this. So I'm just looking at one verse. Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And last week, Linda spoke about the presence of the Holy Spirit and actually touched on this and expanded. If you missed the messages there for you on YouTube, you can subscribe and hook into it and catch up on it and maybe re-watch it if you did watch it or hear it last week. But that whole thing of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. Number seven, the Holy Spirit helps us. Jesus said he'd be the helper. But in Romans 8, which is a chapter actually filled with references to the Holy Spirit and what he does in us and implying the work of salvation that Jesus accomplished on the cross for us to our lives. Paul says this in Romans 8.26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know how we ought to pray the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So at times when you don't even know how to pray, how to start praying, inviting the Holy Spirit to pray through you. And whether it's by speaking in tongues or even this, I don't even think is a reference to tongues, but the whole thing of him groaning through you. He reaches out, he prays through you and helps you in your weakness, in my weakness. And Paul uses an amazing word. The word help is accurately translated, but it's so weak in terms of the fullness of the word that Paul uses. Paul actually connects three Greek words together that is translated help in our English New Testament. Three Greek words that he connects, and it's the only time he uses it in the whole of the scripture. And it's almost like he invented it. And the simple English translation to say the Holy Spirit helps us doesn't even come close to doing it justice. The word literally is a picture of somebody who's struggling to carry an incredibly heavy load and suddenly somebody steps out and picks up the heaviest part of the load to help you. What kind of load are you carrying right now? That you just go, I'm feeling crushed by it, I'm feeling overwhelmed by it. Well, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I think one of the greatest pictures that I can paint of this, and some of you are too young to even know about this, and we forgive you for that. But in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, in the 400 metre race, which is one of the most gruelling, difficult sprints, exhausting, there was somebody who was favoured, Derek Redmond, to win the race. And as he was coming, I think it was on the third bend, his tendon snapped. And they said it was so loud that people in that area, it almost sounded like a gunshot. It was just a clear. And he collapsed and was trying to get back up to finish the race. It was clear he was not going to win it anymore or place in it. And he was struggling 
And suddenly out of the crowd came this big guy who pushed his way. And back then, security wasn't quite what it is now. You probably would have been shot by somebody if he had tried to do it in today's circumstance. And it was Derek Redmond's father who picked him up, not like this, but allowed him to lean on him. And together they finished the race and the stadium just went wild. You see, you may feel like you've stumbled, you've fallen, you don't know how to get back up again. Well, the Holy Spirit comes to help you, to pick you up so that you can finish the race. Winning the race is not against other people, but finishing, finishing. There's two things I'm just going to mention, but not actually speak to as I land on the final one. Is the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And uh, next week we're talking about the fullness of the Spirit. The week after, Pastor Daniel is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit also emboldens us. In Acts 4.31, after being threatened and intimidated, they prayed and the place where they meet him was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. But I want to finish with this as we just draw this message to a close. The Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. Our salvation is purposed by the Father, accomplished by the Son Jesus, His death, His resurrection, His suffering. But it's applied to our lives by the Holy Spirit. I want to stress this, our salvation is in Christ alone. Christ did everything. On the cross, He said, it is finished. But our salvation is by the Spirit. And what I mean by that, the Holy Spirit comes and takes everything that Jesus did on the cross and applies it to our lives when we put our trust in Jesus for our salvation. One of the first encounters we may have with the Holy Spirit is actually the conviction of sin. Not condemnation, that's what the devil does, condemns us. Condemnation is guilt without hope. Conviction is the Holy Spirit saying, you need to do something about your relationship with God. And this is how you do it. It brings hope. Jesus said in John 16, 8, when the Spirit comes, He will prove to the world that it's wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, shows us that none of us can live up to the righteous standard of Jesus, of God, and reveals that if we don't do something about that, then judgment comes. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. But as we repent, and repentance is a beautiful word. Repentance is not just turning away. In fact, the, oh, I need to be careful here. But the, the biblical concept of repentance is not trying to turn away from something. It's actually turning to someone. And when you turn to that someone, Jesus, you already turn your back on what was damaging and hurting your life. See how beautiful that is. It's not, oh, I've got to turn away from that. No, I'm turning to Jesus. And the minute you turn to Him, you've repented. 
in every single circumstance. As we repent and confess our sins, receive the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit makes us alive to God. Jesus, when speaking about this to Nicodemus, you can read John 3 for yourself, the chapter John 3. He says, verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water, born by a woman, and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And he goes on to say, you must be born again. And my question to you, whether here in the auditorium, in our online campus, are you born again? Have you had that second birth? Yeah, you were born of a woman, every single one of us. But now we need to be born of the Spirit, born again. The Holy Spirit making salvation alive and real to us, applying everything that Jesus did for us to our lives so that we can be in a right relationship with God. 